2: Welcome to the post-game podcast. Raptors beat the Nets, one twenty-seven, one twenty-five. I'm your host, Cerraro, filling in for the vacationing William Liu. And joining me is Sam Folk, who is the author of the quick reaction uh, this evening. Uh, some notable grades that you might be interested in was Mark Gasol, an A minus. We got Kawhi Leonard, uh, an A, even though his offense remains. Compartmentalized as Sam calls it. <laughs> yeah. what, what, what did you enjoy the game?
0: I did. Um, I have a soft spot for D'Angelo Russell ever since a 30 year old bullied him when he was 19. So I love all the success that comes with him. And the Nets remain an incredibly fun team. Joe Harris, you know, probably somebody who's going to win the Gerald Henderson Award, Alan Crabb. Lots of weird shooters, and then you have the fro Jared Allen. I, I really like Brooklyn, so I enjoyed the game a lot.
2: What's the story with the bullying? Let's, let's get into that one first.
0: Oh, D'Angelo Russell, when he was with the Lakers, right? I'm sure everybody knows this, but D'Angelo Russell, when him and Nick Young were doing that prank. I'm sure oh, this right. is an esoteric knowledge. Oh, right right, King, right, 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 right. Okay, Lou okay. Williams, Julius Randle, and that crew, all the cronies, they, were bull- they wouldn't sit with him. They wouldn't like hang out with him or anything like that, and so he was 19 at the time. Obviously, it's a bonehead move, but I always wanted him to succeed after that.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, as for the game itself, the first half was a bit dismal. The Raptors were uh, up or down four to the Nets, uh, despite having played uh, pretty poorly. Uh, I caught bits of the game, but I happened to catch the, uh, the radio halftime show the one they do on the radio, and they were absolutely ripping the Raptors for being lethargic and uncoordinated and unorganized. And you think of any adjective you can think of. But I I was like, man, you still scored like 56 points at half, and you're only down four. It can't be that bad. How how bad was the first half?
0: The first half was really tough to watch, actually. Um, The second half is what made the game enjoyable for me. One of the things is the Raptors' offense can look like it's doing nothing while also piling up points because I think as viewers we just assort mid-range jumpers into the collective of this isn't good offense and Sergio Baca actually provided a ton of offense that way and he continues to do it and Kawhi Leonard as well so when those guys put up you know 16 mid-range jumpers in a half seven of them drop a couple free throws here and there maybe a Pascal leak out they find their way to you know a decent um, number of points, but it's it's tough to watch really, even though it's not such a bad offense. Yeah. And on defense, yeah. you know they played really good defense. Danny Green and Kyle Lowry did the lion's share of work on DeAndre Russell, who was always being forced to his right hand. And Joe Harris obviously went off; he had seven threes in the first half, which was the saving grace of the first half, of course. And the Nets as a group, they shot the ball really well, but. That's probably the, the story of the first half. Is and,
2: and, and then it's kind of like you're playing down to your opposition, the same as in New York. Like you see a you know quote unquote n- not a great team uh, in, in your building, and you're like you know what we don't need to do too much to win it, and then you kind of just go lethargic. You don't play defenses hard enough, and next thing you know, the other team kind of sees that and, and just pops on it and, and, and builds up a builds up momentum and takes you down to the wire.
0: I think yeah, that's probably the case because they've had these types of games every time with Brooklyn. And it kind of starts with D'Angelo Russell, who he really likes to put guards in jail when he goes on the pick and roll. They'll snake it. And obviously Kyle Lowry is a small guard, and he's susceptible to that. But since they played good defense in the first half, they maybe felt like, okay, we're handling Russell. Everything else will fall into place. But like you said or like you heard, they were somewhat lethargic. And so they handled Russell. As the primary ball handler, but everything else like fell apart. Like they're giving up wide open triples off of his breakdowns, of course, but it's something that maybe they were a bit complacent with.
2: Yeah. And, and the Raptors didn't really uh, on the other side handle the zone quite well cuz the, cuz the Nets used to go in and out of it and the Raptors just just ended up moving the ball on the perimeter and not really getting incision in their offense. Uh, it kind of showed in that in that third fourth quarter especially, especially in that fourth when 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 they just couldn't muster up anything for that stretch and allowed the uh, Nets to come back. Uh But that's kind of like Nick Nick Nurse's learning exercise here, and you know we just we just got Marcus All. We're gonna sign Jeremy Lin. We have you know a ton of talent on this team. And I read somewhere, you know, at this point, how much of this season is dependent on just Nick Nurse figuring things out and putting everything together? Because all the pieces that he theoretically needs to get into the finals are there. He's almost become our. Not quote unquote weakest link at this point because the talent's there. We just don't know if he can kind of get the get get the team to play at a consistent level and make the most of the pieces he has. And um, and, and, you know, Tim Chisholm in yesterday's podcast in the weekly podcast said something like, "This team right now feels like it's in a rut, even though they're winning and they're, and they're squeaking out games. It's not the same fluidity, not the same conciseness in their offense as there was in the earlier in the season." Do you uh, have you noticed that at all? How how, how much truth is there to that?
0: I feel a similar way as Tim would have. Um, Like I said about the first half, you see them succeeding, but you're not liking how they're building up to that success, and it's marginal compared to what you expect of them on the whole. And also to Nick Nurse being the weakest link, that's unfair but also fair. It's a bit of both because Nick Nurse obviously had it really easy having Jonas Valanciunas just coming off the bench the other bench, put up a huge number of points and rebounds. But with Gasol, it's a more dynamic play style, so your coaching has to be more dynamic as well. And he has to show that part of himself. It's not something he can just roll out Gasol with the bench, and that's gonna everybody's going to be fine with that. You kind of have to placate Gasol and Ibaka and Siakam in a way that you didn't have to with Valanchunas, and you have to mix everybody's minutes, mix everybody's touches. Obviously, Gasol... For the past four years, has had the most elbow touches of any player. And you can see the Raptors are playing a more pass-heavy game with their bench rather than having DeJuan or Fred pound the ball. And it's something that he needs to insert Gasol into the right um, situations and put a block in the right situations as well. And that's going to be extremely important going forward
2: in that fourth quarter you kind of saw what Gasol brings to the team right i mean i was you know when he was hitting that three you know dropping down for that hook shot uh, getting that rebound you're like this guy at this point is winning the game for us and i was watching the nets feed and they were they were like this is why toronto got gasol cuz he can he can score in these in these in bunches and he can make that impact that maybe jv wasn't as consistent in making like this game you, you you can you can make an argument that without Gasol's that key fourth quarter contribution, this game is a loss.
0: I think so, definitely.
2: Now, man, when the Raptors were down three and Russell hit that three from the uh, left uh, uh, left wing, and we got the ball back, I won't lie to you, I had no idea where the next points were going to come from because it felt like that possession was just like spinning, and we were going to take a bad shot, and Danny man just did what Danny does.
0: Yeah, honestly, that's, I was really happy it went in because I like to put in most of the work for the quick reaction during the game and not write it all afterwards. So I kind of figured a win was coming. So everything kind of, it trends towards positive, the things you're writing down, the things you're saying. And then Russell hit that triple. I was like, if I put these grades up, everybody's going to shred me. So I was like, I'm going to have to rewrite everything. But then I saw them swing the ball back and forth, like beyond the arc and they lulled the Nets' defense to sleep, I guess, because I don't know how Green came that open. But as soon as he was there, I knew he was going to hit it because he's he's cold blooded. Yeah.
2: So, so so are the grades dependent on if the Raptors win? Because that's like how, how much of the grades are dependent on a win versus a loss.
0: Um, people, when you lose, I think generally like to see you highlight the things that cause the losing. So it's not necessarily the grade. It's the write-up for the grade. For me, anyways, if they lose, I should be highlighting more things that cause them to lose. If they win, I should be highlighting more things that cause them to win. And then when somebody does the breakdown, they can get into the very fine details of everything, the minute details. But for me, when I'm grading, a win generally means a more positive write-up for people because it's not as glaring a mistake maybe here and there when Serge misses a rotation, if they end up winning. If they end up losing that two points, that three points, you know, it feels heavier. And everybody who reads it is that's going to be on their mind. Where did we lose? How could we have won? But when they win, they like to say, yeah, Leonard made that shot. You know, they did play great defense on D'Angelo, even though he shredded them. They did play good defense. So that's, you know, it's it's all relative for the grading.
2: I hear you, man. I hear you. Uh, so Kyle Lowry uh, had had a pretty decent game. Thirteen point six rebounds, seven assists, uh, three for seven from uh, three point uh, from um, from downtown. His good shooting in February continues. What I liked about it is, uh, you know, you don't see this too often, but Kawhi and him are developing some sort of one two punch on the court. Like yes. at least three times in the in the um, second half, you saw Kawhi specifically look for Kyle. After a short drive, like he knew where Kyle was, much like the way he always knows where Danny Green is. So, those two gelling together is something that's, that's like, you gotta love that.
0: Yeah, it's it's of paramount importance to the Raptors' success. I wrote an article about that way back earlier in the year where I was talking about look at DeMar's numbers when he's passing to so and so, look at Kawhi's numbers when he's passing to so and so. How much of Kawhi is coming off catch and shoot as opposed to his good year in San Antonio? How much for Kyle? And then to see them gel and get more synergy in that way so that they can both trend towards shots that they're a lot more capable of making. I mean, Kawhi had an, an absurd year with San Antonio shooting from three, and it was mostly on the back of catch-and-shoot triples. Kyle, obviously, we know him for the pull-up, but it used to be in years past when Kyle got an open three, a catch-and-shoot opportunity, you said, that's going in. This year for the past two and a half months, excluding his hot streak right now. You kind of think that it's not going to happen. And Kawhi hasn't had very many catch and shoot opportunities. So for those two to work off each other, a la Lowry DeRozan, where they're setting, you know, doing a one, two, one, three pick and roll, slipping screens, trying to get, you know, open shots beyond the arc, that's of massive importance. It couldn't be more important than anything else. It's big time. Uh, so with, with the, uh,
2: with the score, uh, tied late in the game. Uh, Kawhi Leonard got the ball. Uh, Nick Nurse Nick Nurse's offense was just basically give it to Kawhi, set a screen, see what happens. Kawhi dribbled to his right, faded, looked a bit forced, something the Nets would have been comfortable giving up and the guy banked it in. Did he call bank?
0: No, definitely not. That's <laughs> even watching it cuz you get the you got the camera angle where it was like right over his right shoulder. And the way the ball fell in, you're like, oh, no way, he's going for bank. Because if you're going for bank, you're catching, like, the right end of the box up there. But he caught the middle, and it just happened to drop in.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I'll take it. Hey, man, I'll take it.
0: Oh, yeah, me too.
2: Uh, Let's go to three stars uh, for this game. Uh, Let's start with uh, the third star. uh, Who you got?
0: The third star? Oh, man. I think it has to be Serge, just because he put up such a decent night. I'm happy with Serge for third star. I liked his defense for most of the game, and he put up, you know, 18 points on, like, 70% shooting, which yeah. is pretty really important. Uh,
2: so I liked, uh, I liked Serge's contribution, obviously, 9 of 13 for 18 points. Uh, two plays I want to highlight. One is how he uh, kept the ball alive on a key offensive rebound in the fourth. Right. And you're like, yes, like, he just got in there, got the position, you know, uh, team rebound, whatever. We got the ball back, and then like a couple of possessions later, with the score tied, he tried to go for the same offensive rebound. This time, didn't have position. They called a foul, and then and the Nets went up two. It was like two plays. Like that, the second play could have just changed the game if it weren't for those uh the, those uh, those shots we hit late. But yeah, surge overall fantastic game. Yeah, Nine was, of thirteen.
0: He was definitely he was very big on the boards tonight, which was obviously super important.
2: Uh, I think he I think he led everybody on the board, so I'm pretty sure yeah yeah twelve rebounds leads uh, Jared, allen,
0: yeah. Jared allen, allen only had three on the night he was he was handled very well. I like Serge's night
2: this was definitely an offensive minded game Thanks. Rappers shot fifty four percent the nets were at fifty two percent nobody re- really played any lockdown defense until really in the in, uh, late, in, late in the fourth quarter, and even then uh, people got open shots uh, i'll go with a second star uh, i'll go with uh Mark Casal for his uh, 16.9, 7 of 9 shooting, uh, 6 rebounds, 2 assists, 1 steal, 1 block. But again, the fourth quarter impact that he had in that key stretch midway through the fourth was uh, was something that the Raptors fans who, who who cheered his arrival have to be happy about.
0: Of course. I mean, he had such a different dynamic to the offense, and he frees up Patrick McCaw and Norman Powell for so much. I mean, McCaw had his breakout game you could make the case that he might have been a third star, especially he put up 13. But you see like Gasol gets the ball on the block and McCall runs across his face three times before receiving a drop off pass. And you kind of, it clicks in your head. You're like, Oh, this is how Gasol standing still on the block is still good offense because you just have kind of like a hyper twitch ath- like, athlete. And then that guy runs around and suddenly there's a bucket for him and he didn't have to create anything for himself. He didn't have to go for a jumper, and Gasol just has to be himself, and he's creating easy looks just by his size and his basketball IQ. Yeah, yeah.
2: and and you can also see sometimes uh, the the Raptor players they're surprised when he passes the ball back to them uh, because they're used to kind of just giving the ball to JV and just yeah. do and see JV do what JV does, but this time Gasol is like he like he catches that ball with one hand. You know, high up in the block, and then he's like looking for passes, and oftentimes it comes out or it goes the other way. But he's all his his first instinct in that situation is really to find cutters and pass. And the Raptors seem a bit surprised by that because they haven't really had that kind of a player uh,
0: in in a while, or if ever, really. Maybe who is it? Uh, Garbajosa, He was like kind of like that.
2: Yeah, Garbosa was a wing, but yeah, kind of like that. I, I was gonna say Bebe was a great passer, but. um Except, like, you know, he never got the ball in the in the block in the ISO situation yes. midway through the fourth.
0: Bebe was a wizard on the short roll. That was what he yeah. had going for him. Uh, yeah, that's the thing. Gasol, he makes about four passes a night that had Valanciunas done it. The bench would light up and lose their minds but he <laughs> consistently, right? Yeah. Like, that. the one before McCaw got his dunk in, there was nobody guarding him because everybody was like, well, G- Gasol has the ball. Suddenly, McCaw comes under the basket, and the ball is there and I didn't even see it, but Gasol sees it, and man, he's a really great passer, and he provides a lot to the Raptors offense, especially in the um, early fourth there.
2: All right, let's uh, round it off with uh, the first star. Who do you got?
0: It has to be Kawhi, even though it's not the most fun. I know there's not a lot of different people contending for the first star. I mean, Gasol didn't play enough minutes, probably, to warrant it, and Kawhi put up 30 points and 8 assists. It's You can't deny him the first star, I don't think, and he hit the game winner. Calling the bank or not, I mean, he's omnipresent for the Raptors on defense. He's always factoring in. You could read Matt Moore's article about how people create a four-on-four offense and leave him off to the side, but that's not happening every game. He makes passes so much harder. He bends the floor on defense, and on offense, even though he wasn't as compartmentalized tonight, all the Raptors benefit from that. And eight assists, it really sneaks up on you because we're raving about Marcus Alls passing it. And he only got two assists and somehow Kawhi found his way to eight assists. But that's just how it works. And Kawhi, it's kind of that thing about superstars. They put up this numb, mindless production and Kawhi sleepwalking his way to 30 points and eight assists and a game winner. That's first star. Got to be.
2: Yeah. And uh, that, that eight assists is a season high for him.
0: That doesn't shock me, actually. (laughs) Uh,
2: And uh, the uh, Gerald Henderson Award uh, for the Nets. There's a bunch of candidates here that uh, we can go with. Um, uh, I'm going to nominate one person and you nominate some. I'm going to go with Alan Crabb for this one.
0: Yeah, that would have been mine. Um, I guess the other one, you could do Shabazz Napier because he didn't miss a shot and he put up double digits. He had four assists. But I would say it's got to be Alan Crabb. I mean, he put up 22 points.
2: Yeah, and, and, and some big threes. Like this, I think two of those threes came in the uh, in the fourth when the Raptors looked like they were they had the Nets uh, put at bay, but uh, Alan Crab had something else to say about that. Yeah, of course. Well, so this is uh, the, Ra- the, the Raptors start a six game homestand. This was game number one uh, in that stand. Uh, what's uh, game number two? Let's check the uh, Raptors Republic website and the schedule on the side. Okay, we got uh, Washington next. Uh, and then we got uh, All-Star break, and then it's San Antonio and Orlando. So the Wizards
0: uh, come to town.
2: Any any thoughts on the Wiz?
0: The Wizards are always really funny, and that's, that's about it. They have Bobby Portis now, which makes them way funnier and more mean and more disorganized. And, of course, they want to keep Trevor Ariza and guys like that instead of buying them out after trading away their young assets. I don't know. It's a dumpster fire. Hopefully we beat them, but Bradley Beal is that dude. We'll see. Ne- Never have I seen a guy
2: uh, be yeah. as happy to get traded as Bobby Portis was when he got shipped. Uh, <laughs> he was. He, you could not. He could not stop smiling. That, that's how he bad definitely. he wanted to get out of Chicago.
0: And Chicago's a great city. So that's you know that's that's, so saying, that's
2: saying something, right? Yeah. Right. All right, Sam. I think that covers it up for the uh, post game podcast. Uh, I'll be back hopefully for the, uh, for the Wizards game and, uh, Will will return, uh, after that to cover San Antonio. So you got one more with me. Uh, thanks to our sponsor, Goldfinger, uh, Injury Law. Um,
0: and, uh,
2: Sam, thanks again for joining on short notice and, uh, enjoy Washington.
0: Yeah, no problem at all, man. Thanks a lot.